Well, uh, we're going to pray, uh, pray for the, our Spanish church, and uh, while we pray, I'm going to ask you guys to close your, close, uh, bow your heads and close your eyes, that traditional saying, uh, but it's for your own safety, uh, because we're going to turn the lights up, uh, and the way that our lights are made, they have to go to full blast, and then we can dim them a little bit, so we'll all close our eyes, we'll all pray, uh, and then nobody will get blinded by the, by the lights, and if you get blinded, then, um, well, okay. All right, God, thank you so much uh, for today. Um, Lord, thank you for a Spanish-speaking church, Father. Thank you for a Spanish-speaking speaking church that's reaching people uh, that we cannot reach. Um, and so, Father, I pray for Pastor Diego. I pray for their church, Father. I pray, Father, that they, again, would outgrow this place before we do. Um, Father, I pray that they would outgrow this place because uh, they are reaching more and more people for your kingdom. Um, Father, I pray that they would start another church, Father, that there would be a church south or to the north or whatever it might be, Father, that, that they would start new works as well uh, because of what you're doing through their ministry. Um, Father, we desire to see you move with more congregations, more people coming to know you as Lord and as Savior. In your holy name, amen. Uh, so like Graham said, we are uh, starting a new series on uh, idols, uh, which is a weird term. You don't walk around, uh, even in Christian circles, saying, well, what idol are you uh, prone to uh, worship nowadays? And like, we don't use that language. And so I want us to understand, here's a little uh, definition saying whatever, but Christian idolatry, uh, when we know God said to love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, but live, as if he said something. We're going to look through this uh, this week or through these next few few weeks and, and whatnot. Uh, but here's a little cliff note. I, I purposely said Christian idolatry because I'm talking to the Christians in this room. If you came into this room uh, and you're kind of curious about Jesus or not put your heart, your faith into Jesus, what could happen in this series as we tackle different subjects, what you could do is you could learn how to live like a Christian. You could leave here living like a Christian. But if Jesus never has your heart, we would say that that's fool's gold. That's pointless. Uh, I don't want you to look like a Christian. I want you to cling to the heart of Jesus. So as we go through this series, hear that from me that your starting point is Jesus, not trying to fix your behavior. What I hope that you will see is that we as Christians will have a conversation like this because we find Jesus to be awesome. And so together, we're going to have a hard conversation where we want to live like Jesus because we think he is so awesome. Uh, and so uh, another awesome person, uh, Ava, could you come up onto the stage for a second? Uh, I, uh, I love my wife. And uh, yes, somebody asked me, did I get in trouble? Is that why I'm wearing the shirt? Uh, no, uh, she bought it for me. No, I'm kidding. She didn't buy it for me. I, I think it was a previous actually sermon illustration. Uh, but I also really love uh, chips and salsa. Uh, I, tonight, like after a pizza church, I could sit down and I could eat that whole jar, whole bag, uh, without thinking twice about it. I love salsa. I love my wife. I can say that in the same sentence. Isn't that weird? I love tacos. I love pizza. I love Ava. 
Like, there's something weird about that, right? Like, please don't bring those home. Like, there's something weird about that. All right, you can, you can, have, you can have a seat. Thank you, Ava. Like, oh, and like, we'll debate. Like, Ava and I will debate because in my home, there is a competition uh, for my love. It's, it's between uh, these two individuals uh, that you'll see on the screen from when we were traveling uh, to my house in New Hampshire. We got caught in traffic. We were dead stopped. And so I snapped a picture of my dog, Brew, and my big fat black lab, like, all trying to get up in my business. He loves me and I love him. And every time Ava leaves the room, he knows he's not allowed on the bed, but I just can't tell him no. And so she, Ava will leave the room and he'll jump up onto the bed and we'll cuddle. And, and he knows that he's a smart dog because as soon as Ava comes into the room, what does he do? <laughs> he jumps right off. <laughs> and then Ava leaves the room <laughs> and he jumps right back on. And every single time, because I, it's, it's just this little competition. Ava will say, you never smile with me in a picture. I'm sorry. I smile with him. I don't know why. It's just happy. I don't get it. But anyways, like Bruin the other day, like uh, maybe two years ago, Bruin broke his tail. He has happy tail. He snapped it on something, cut his tail. We end up having to amputate his tail. It's not free. That's not a free procedure. They don't, they, the vets don't say, hey, let me cut off your dog's tail for free. That costs money. Uh, and so Ava and I looked at each other and was like, and then looked at Bruin and we're like, dude, you're totaled for the year. Like you met your quota. Uh, and like, we actually ended up having a conversation like, what would our price tag be? Like if, if like Bruin got like seriously hurt, like what is our price tag? Like at some point, like, is he total? That's really weird to talk about. Uh, but here's my point. I might have that conversation <laughs> about Bruin, but I would never look to Ava <laughs> and say, I'm, I'm sorry, I did, you're totaled. Because <laughs> if Ava's hurt, Let's max out the cards. <laughs> if A was hurt, let's drain the account. Let's do anything because there is no price tag because that is how I love her. And so my point being is that when we use one word to describe I love tacos and I love my wife, we then dilute the definition of love and then we dilute love in reality. We start thinking that we can have the highest form of love for so many different things. Because this world is pretty noisy, isn't it? This world wants us to love, 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 but there's only so much capacity to love. And we get to this point where as Christians, with all of this noise from the world, where we treat God as second rate, second class. What is it in your life that you're tempted to bring God just down a notch where he's second rate? Where are you tempted to say, you know what, God, I no longer want to bend my agenda towards you. I want you to fit my agenda. Where are you tempted to say, you know what, I want to go my own way instead of God, you have your way with me. When life starts feeling away, when we start feeling away about life, we do tend to go our own way, don't we? What I want us to see today is something that every well-meaning Christian in the room would say yes to. We would say, oh, I get that. God hates second place. We would say yes to that. But we, we start to create idols when God feels idle. We, we, we start to make idols. Here's the sad thing. We start to make idols about in areas of God's greatest blessing. We do that all the time. And so we're going to look at uh, Exodus chapter 32. It's right there in the early portions of your Bible. You can also Google uh, Exodus uh, 32 ESV, and that will pop up. It will also be up on the screens. Here's what is said. When the people saw that Moses, uh, that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, 
the people gathered together to Aaron, the guy that was kind of second in charge, and said to him, make up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, uh, that the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So you have a whole group of people that have gathered together before Aaron, the leader in that moment. And, and why are they gathering? Because they feel like God and Moses are delayed. They feel like God and Moses are, are distant. But if we were to look and dig into the context, why, what, what, is, what are Moses and God doing right now? In this moment, they are up on the mountain, creating and developing and seeing God's telling, this is how you worship me. I have plans to reside among you. I have plans to be ever present among you. And this is how that is going to work out. It's been 40 days. They're feeling a little anxious. And so they go crazy. But God ironically is saying, I'm not distant. I want to be with you. And earlier on, like maybe 12 chapters before in Exodus chapter 20, they got the big 10, the big 10 commandments. And so while they feel God is distant, this new relationship that is just newly formed, it's super fresh. They're saying, you know what? No other gods? Oh, forget that. We'll make a new God. Love the Lord your God only? Oh no, forget that. Another God. No carved images? Oh, forget that. We'll do another carved. They, they go, they break, break the big 10 in this newly formed relationship. That would be like you and I, if, if we were to say, okay, well, it's like a spouse. Saying, you know what, I just got married today. I guess now I won't be faithful on day one. Or if we're going to take that analogy even further, it would be like a spouse uh, sitting at the altar of their, on their wedding day and the, and the bride is delayed for whatever reason. They could just be doing their nails. Who knows? But the bride is delayed. Oh, and in a delay, I'm going to start scanning the audience just in case looking for my next date. The Israelites are acting like this, but do they have any reason to doubt God? Like if we think about what the Israelites, God's chosen people have been through, they were just previously, just not soon long before this, they were enslaved in the land of Egypt. And what did they physically witness? What did they ex physically experience? They saw gods and the, and, the, and the 10 plagues. They saw other people die. They saw the point where they were able to break Pharaoh's spirit. And Pharaoh finally said, fine, go. And they go. And now they're walking up and they meet a body of water that they cannot cross, but behind them is a literal army. And what's never been done in the history of mankind happens before their eyes. The waters part. And it's not all sorts of muddy. <laughs> they walk through on a sidewalk of es in essence. They saw that. They experienced Oh, and they looked behind. <laughs> and the Egyptians all died when they came down, the water on them. They saw they had no reason not to trust God. They've had food rain from heaven. They've seen God direct them through fire at night and clouds by day. They have no reason to doubt God, but they come to Aaron. They boss him around. They don't ask, hey, why is God delayed? What is going on? They're not trying to gain understanding. They're trying to control the situation. And in essence saying, God, you're not accomplishing what I want you to accomplish. So I guess it's next God up. <laughs> Last week was our first week of going back to services at 9 and 11. 
Uh, and so we, here I am in the back room at 7.30, kind of wrapping up some, some sermon notes. And uh, it gets to the point where it's like 7.36, and Mindy leaves, Mindy leaves the keyboard and comes running in, and is like, Josh isn't here, Josh isn't here. I'm like, well, what time was he supposed to be here? 7.30, it's okay, it's 7.36. I'm like, okay, well, like, have you called him? Yes, I called him. Have you texted him? Yes, I texted him. Okay, well, have you tried Krista? Yes, and, and Krista's not responding either. And so we both were like, Oh, okay. Well, maybe something's up. Uh, and, and, and so we, we, uh, I was like, well, maybe we should do a wellness check. Uh, and we literally stopped and we're like, well, who do we know from Barnegat? Uh, who do we know from Waretown that could go and check in on the Rajes at their house in Barney because they're not responding. And then we started thinking, well, who could drive up and down the parkway in case Josh is in, in a ditch? And then by 741, and this is all literal truth. I emailed everybody like saying, can I share this? Like literal truth is that Graham walks in 741 and we all stop to pray <laughs> for the Rajas. We were going crazy because of Josh's character is that he's always on time. We trusted him to be on time. He set set a silent alarm, which I like, what is a silent alarm? Uh, Daniel Goodhue uses that. I'm like, what, what is, what? okay, whatever. But anyways, that happened. He didn't wake up. He eventually got here. He played for us last week. All was good. But in delay, how we act in delay really speaks, doesn't it? Like, it spoke about what we thought about Josh. It spoke about our, our own insecurities and lack of trust in, in that regards. When we feel like God is delayed, what we do in the delay reveals idols. Uh, let me, I'll, I'll paint it this way. I am thankful every single day that all the women I pray to God to marry, that God said no, because I have my wife, Ava. Now, can you imagine if every time there is distance between Ava and I, or I feel a delay, or she's like, she went to Walmart, and now she's like 10 minutes late. Well, I guess what? I guess it's time to go back to christianmingle.com and just see what's out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm so thankful every single time when I think about all the jobs that I prayed for that God said no to. Why? Because I get to be your pastor. Can you imagine if every time I felt distance or delay here among us at my job, at my place of work, if I was like, oh, time to check out churchstaffing.com just in case. <laughs> but we do that. We feel a delay. You're not getting the job. Will you force it? You're not getting the spouse. Will you force it? You're not getting the house. Will you force it? You're not getting the ba 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 You fill in the blanks. Will you force it? Or will you trust the God that you serve? So they go on. And if you thought it couldn't get worse, it does. Uh, so Aaron said to them, take off your rings of gold that are in your ears of your wives and of your sons and of your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, they said, these are your gods, O Israel, you brought, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it and, made, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to whom? The Lord. Now they're trying to combine fake worship with real worship. And so they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and burnt peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and they rose up to play. Aaron is a great example of us of weak leadership. The masses want X. So I'm not going to lead with conviction. 
I will give them X when God wants Y. And what we see in this passage is counterfeit worship. They're trying to combine true worship and idol worship. They, they, they make a feast, which if you know anything about the Jewish religion, they have many, many feasts. Passover feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, to name a few. They are always celebrating with a feast. And so here, a feast is a part of it. If you know anything about the Old Testament, there's a sacrificial system. That's what they're accustomed to. That's what God asks for. And so here they make, they make sacrifices. And then with the sacrifices, they make an altar. There is so much here that looks like the real thing. And they're claiming worship, but they're claiming it through the channel of sin. Counterfeit, false religion looks deceptively like the real thing. We get so close, but close enough where we are trying to ultimately manipulate God. And they remove the rings, they remove the earrings. Do you know where they got that? When they were leaving Egypt, God said, ask them for the gold, ask them for the rings and, and all that stuff, and I will give you favor and they will give it to you. And they plunder Egypt. So when they left Egypt, they had all of Egypt's gold, all of that in their possession. So Aaron's like, oh, you know what? The object of God's grace and goodness why don't you bring it to me? And we'll turn it into a false god. Like it doesn't make any sense until we realize again that we do this. We take what is God's blessing and instead of going to a place of gratitude, we go to a place of idolatry. And they bring it to, they gripe. And Aaron asks for it. They use their skill. They use all that God, they use their time. They freely give it. And in the end, they are literally poorer. Instead of using their time, their skills, their literal treasures to worship God, to be grateful before God, they exchange it for a lifeless, dumb idol, and they become likewise. We'll see this in a second where God addresses this, but can you imagine what God was feeling when he heard come out their mouths, Israel, this is your God who brought you up out from the land of Egypt. You and I must never forget from whom and from where salvation comes. In a previous life, uh, Ava was a bank teller, and so she can count money like a boss, and uh, she can count it real fast, uh, faster than the average uh, human being. And uh, she does this thing when she's counting cash, uh, she'll like twist it and do this because it all has to be perfect. I guess that's what bank tellers do. I don't know, whatever. And, uh, and so uh, I asked her one time, like how, like, how do you know a fake? Because a lot of fakes come through the bank. And, uh, and she's like, well, we just study the real thing. And I kind of picked her brain on it because I was uh, curious, I guess. And, uh, and she's like, well, there's a lot of counterfeits and there's always new counterfeits. They're always creating new counterfeits and they can't keep us up to date with all the new counterfeits. And so uh, if we know the real thing, like how it feels, how it looks, like this one says copy. These aren't real $100 bills. Uh, and so uh, this says copy. Uh, so it's pretty obvious. Uh, but if you're so intimately aware of the real thing, then quickly when the fake thing comes through your fingertips, like you can, you can spot a fake. Uh, Graham and I went to a church planting assessment and there was a gentleman there named Brian Thompson. <laughs> Crazy dude. Uh, he actually designs and makes for the Department of Treasury uh, bills. 
He updates it. He puts the security things in it. He, 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 uh, he's the artist behind it, all of those things. He had to get special permission from the Secret Service to come to the church planning assessment because he has to inform them anytime he's leaving the house. Why? Because he has intimate knowledge with how this is really made. And so he's a kidnap risk because people want to kidnap him or his wife to use him to make something that's really, really close to the real thing so they can profit off of it. I think this is why the Bible talks a lot about false prophets, false doctrine, false teachers, because we can get so close to the real thing and that becomes super, super dangerous. It's dangerous to walk around this world and this, this earth when we, when we want to be forgiven, but we want to go to heaven while hanging on to our idols. You know what idolatry ultimately is? It's putting something or someone in place of God, where God has that top spot on the podium, but we give it to something else or someone else. It's when we look to something else for security, something else for peace, something else for identity, instead of looking to God where those things only can flow from God. We may not worship a golden calf. We may not have taken our gold from our, our uh, jewelry box or whatever and crafted some nice little image. But make no mistake, we do this too. We take God's blessings, good things, and we make God things. The fake God of work, the fake God of money, the fake God of family, the fake God of sports, the fake God of whatever it might be. Things that are good, but we start trying to think about how can I serve these things instead of trying to serve God? Loving my family is a good thing, but what I have to ask myself is how do I love my God through my family? Working is good. Making a paycheck is good, but I have to ask myself, not how do I worship Wellspring for me personally, but how do I love God through Wellspring? My kids being in sports is a good thing, but what we are asking as a family, how do we love our God through sports? Ultimately, when there is a sin problem, it is a worship problem. So how do you avoid uh, this, this, this conversation around idolatry? You ask yourself, how do I worship God through these areas? Yes, love creation, use creation, steward creation, but at the end of the day, you and I are called to worship the creator. And so God sees this, he hears this, and now he responds. The Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I have commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshiped it. Say worship, worship. And they have sacrificed to it. And they said, uh, these, he heard it. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is stiff necked. And now therefore leave me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them. And I may consume them in order that I may make out of you a great nation. We get angry. When people talk about our idols, we get angry. We're like, what's such a big deal? When, when culture says money's not a big deal, power's not a big deal, or actually when they're saying the opposite, it is a very big deal. When culture says all of these things is the norm, you should da-da-da-da-da, like all of a sudden, because it's the norm in culture, when it becomes the norm for us as a Christian, we get all sort of angry 
when it gets talked about or when you poke the bear. In a few weeks, we'll talk about uh, money and finances. And oh my gosh, can you imagine the emails? on? You talked about money and there are going to be all sorts of butthurt. Why? <laughs> because we talked about money. <laughs> like as if Christians shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> Bet you there's an idol there. <laughs> We're going to talk about power. We're going to talk about all of these things that, that will poke the bear. And people will get mad when we talk about things that, that ruffle their feathers. But do we ever think about what God feels? <laughs> do you ever think about his anger? <laughs> you see what he says here? He says, your people. That's like me calling Ava and be like, do you know what your son did? <laughs> or better, like, do you know what your dog did? I don't even want to take credit for Bruin after he throws up. Do you know what your dog did? Because we want to put distance between the behavior. We want to put distance between ourselves and what has happened. God, how telling is it that God, it must be eye-opening his disdain for their behavior that he finds it corrupt and he does not want to associate with it. He sees what they have done as giving credit to, to another being, a fake made-up being for deliverance and he sees it as willful, willful disobedience and he becomes angry. His wrath is burning. The other day, uh, my, I had one child asking another child a question. And he was talking, talking, talking. And this child was ignoring, 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 not even looking up, not even responding. And it, and it made me uh, all sorts of angry. It's a trigger for me. And I, and I was like, no, 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 no. You will talk to your sibling. You will not dehumanize your sibling by acting as if, as if said person does not exist. It's a trigger for me. Why? Because when I was in college, I was dating somebody that while we were hanging out would be texting all sorts of boys. And when I was trying to talk to her, she would ignore me to text all the boys she was texting. And I'm the idiot that prayed that this would work out. <laughs> it triggered me because of my past experience. And so it, for you and I, that, that's a bad jealousy that I should have been like, well, peace out. I'm out a whole lot sooner than I was. Ava and I, we're married. There's a good jealousy there, isn't there? Like if I were to look at you and, be, and if you were to come up to me after church and be like, yo, hey, thoughts on me taking your wife out to dinner. You would think if I said yes, that that's pretty messed up, isn't it? <laughs> If Ava came to me and was like, Jason, I don't know, I've been working with, like, it's you know, like, what, like, what, it just, it's just coffee. Like, do you mind if I go get coffee with said dude? And if I said yes, oh, come on, we've arrived. We're so mature. <laughs> like, shouldn't you think that that's a little messed up? Because it is. <laughs> that there's a healthy jealousy that goes on. Yes, I know what James says, and there's jealousy connected to self-ambition, but when jealousy is in a relationship, there is a trigger there that something is not right. Either I'm so insecure, or this person is doing something, that there's something that is not good. God has a righteous jealousy for you and I. He wants all of you. We could sing, we could get behind the drums, we could, get the, you know, we could sing worship songs about God's jealousy for us, because that's worth worshiping that he wants all of you, and that is good. When Ava and I got married, whether it was proverbial or real or not, we signed a non-compete clause. A uh, non-compete clause is a legal term. You can find that uh, on, uh, on, the, on Wikipedia. Uh, everything Wikipedia says is true, so it must be true. But really, whatever it, whatever it is, in essence, is when you're in a job, and you're, you're saying you're signing a clause that says, I will not create competition for this job. 
we should do that in relationships. There's certain relationships that we're saying there is no competition in this relationship. With, when, with Ava and I, there is but one competition and it's no contest. God is number one. If anybody is fighting for number two, Ava is going to speak up. She's from West Virginia. She knows how to skin a deer. She has told me about that. Whenever I leave the house, don't forget, I know how to skin a deer. And then she gives me those, those eyes. And I know, she's serious, okay? It's weird, but it happens from time to time. I kid, kind of. God is not mocked. He loves and wants all of you. So anything fake and false is offensive to him. We make a mockery of him when we go to other things instead of truly worshiping the one true God. It's good that he wants all of us. The big thought for this experience, we've already said it, God hates second place. God hates it and he should. He says in Isaiah 42, I am the Lord, this is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. I have idols. I, I was... Uh, I love competition. I love winning. It's an idol for me. And we had a church event right here in this room. I've talked about it before where we had a group of people playing Gatan. I love winning at Gatan. I have never beaten Daniel Goodhue and it just drives me up a wall. And, uh, and so here we are, we're playing and uh, somebody was there for the first time playing Gatan and uh, didn't know anything about it. And Daniel is on the verge of winning. And this person offered Daniel the deal of a lifetime in Gatan <laughs> said, here's all of my property, if you will, uh, for X, Y. And I was like, oh, no, because if you, and Daniel says yes right away. Like, yes, I'll take that deal. And as Daniel's saying yes and taking everything, I'm, I'm ready to flip the table. I literally was like, I have to calm myself down at a church event because I lost Gatan to Daniel Goodhue. Will Smith said it best. Love will make you do crazy things. Just not like that. <laughs> I have to love people more than I love winning. What are the idols in your life? Your pastor has some. Because has anybody here reached perfection yet? Okay, so we all got some. What's standing in your way and my way of God having that top spot? I know you'll go on social media. You could probably tweet it or find the hashtag, follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. Follow the heart of Jesus. You'll never catch me telling my kids, follow your heart. Never. Follow the heart of Jesus. Here's, here's some things we should think about. If you have an idol in your life, eliminate it. That's one of our values, daily surrender, that we, should, that we should every single day think about, hey, what is not like Christ? And if it's not like Christ, I'm going to eliminate it from my life. Or if it's a good thing, money can be a good thing, a job can be a good thing, a marriage can be a good thing, kids can be a good thing, sports can be a good thing. There's so many good things. So maybe we should ask ourselves that value of give of yourself. What does worshiping God through said good area look like? Let's go back to that, that statement where we said uh, Christian idolatry is when we know God said to love him with all, your, all of our heart, soul, and mind, but live as if he said some. So one of my final challenges for you today before we go into one closing song is that you and I this week would read the book No Greater Love by A.W. Tozer. If you're not a reader of physical books, great. It comes in audio form. Uh, you can read it at two speed and uh, you'll get it done real fast. Uh, so, but this week I need you to read this. 
Because in a little bit, we're going to talk about idols. And really the question with, when we address every single idol is going to be, how could you love God in said area? But we have to understand love, don't we? Because I can say I love tacos and I love my wife. There's a disconnect there. Well, I, I, I love money and I love God, but there might be a disconnect there. So I challenge you this week, I'll have some copies on the back table out in the hallway. If you guys want to take it, I think there'll be three or two copies, whatever it is. But everybody else, Amazon, two days, it will be here. Read it. Get the audible right now. Uh, so we're going to close with a song called uh, Come Now Fount. Not a song we typically sing here, but there's a line in it that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Anybody relate? It's a song dripping in God's goodness and his grace. And so would you guys stand and sing the song with me?